Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,205. I kind of try to live my life and do my business the same way I drive. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Canoga Park, California, Robert Ross. Hey, Robert, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. Absolutely. All right. Robert Ross is the managing partner at Ross Madrid Group, a Los Angeles creative agency. He is also an editorial consultant and contributor to the automotive division of The Rob Report. Ross Madrid Group helps luxury brand clients in a variety of product segments, including automotive, general aviation, consumer electronics, jewelry, wine and spirits, and financial service segments. Robert Ross launched his publishing career in 1989, and from 2001 to present, he's worked with The Rob Report, regularly covering new sports cars, luxury vehicles, as well as collector car markets. A lifetime and lifelong automobile and motorcycle enthusiast, Robert enjoys a few machines of his own and has a passion for tribal art, early music, and what he calls lunatic fringe audio. I'm interested to learn a little bit about that. However, a passion for 15th century old master engraving eclipses all others. You are man of all talents. Robert's a native of Los Angeles where he works lives and drives. So Robert, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and a very obvious passion for wonderful automobiles? Well, thanks for that uh, that introduction. It was certainly a little long in the tooth, but uh, as one gets older, <laughs> one acquires more interests, Mark. And yes. uh, throughout life, it's amazing how many, uh, how many discoveries you can make and how many things you kind of pile into your portfolio of passions. Absolutely. And, uh, for me, uh, everything from art to music to cars to bikes to, well, people, ultimately, because that's, uh, that's what made the whole car hobby so exciting. It really has remained a hobby for me, even though I've been able to cultivate some of it as a business proper. But uh, I got into the car business really through magazines, something that you alluded to earlier. And, uh, and of course, I got into the magazine business through design. So for me, there, were, there was a, a set of stepping stones that sort of connected all the dots. But the, the car business, so to speak, both through editorial and then later on through uh, you know, our, our creative agency, kind of connected all the, all the dots, the passions, the, the experience, and the, and the knowledge that you acquire over, over a period of years. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. And, you know, I get to talk with my guests a little bit before we start these shows. And I told Robert I worked in the creative field for about 10 years, uh, way long ago. And so we had a lot to talk about. I love the work that his studio and his group does. I mean, they're a really, really creative group of people. And of course, when I was at the Quail this past summer, I got to saw, see you drive a beautiful Lamborghini 400 GT across the award stage. Congratulations for that. Before we get into the questions, tell me a little bit about that car, because that thing is just a little gem. 
Well, th- thanks. Thanks for that, Mark. You know, it's a it's a it's a small world, and you do seem to uh, encounter all uh, all your friends, old and new, at uh, at an, at at some of these high profile car events. The yes. Quail was a real uh, a real honor for us. Actually, it's a this old car has been one of my favorites that I've been uh, been living with since uh, since around two thousand two, and it has gone through a ground up restoration. And then what what really inspired me in the, in the course of the initial restoration was um, was the the research that uh, I undertook to really learn more and more about the earliest Lamborghini GTs—that's a whole different uh, podcast. We could we could go on for hours about some of the discoveries that we've made, and 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 I think some of the some of the advancements in the the knowledge about the history of the cars that uh, that I've been able to uh, compile just in some of the deep research that I have done. But uh, again, the love affair started uh, in many ways uh, as as a as a youngster. I think as as so many automotive uh, passions do, you you see these things uh, before you're fully formed, but they have a way of sticking with you for decades sometimes. Uh, and that's 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 the way it was with that particular car. I I saw the first one at Bob Estes dealership in uh, in uh, Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard when I was about 12 years old. Wow. And uh, in fact, I have a picture of myself leaning up against the fender. <laughs> I used to leave those cars out on the open lot uh, yeah. day in and day out back then. And uh, sure enough, uh, decades later, I was finally able to acquire one. Wow. A dream come true. Well, you know, you've intrigued me a little bit. And, and before I ask you this first question, What's the most interesting thing you discovered in all this research about that? Because the Lamborghini, those those early cars, the first Lamborghini cars, the 300 GT, then the 400 GTs, I mean, those were the beginning of what people see as Lamborghini today. What's the one most unique thing you discovered? Well, certainly the 350s and 400s is essentially the same car. They were all Carrozzi Touring body cars and uh, followed with the Marazzi bodied uh, Aslero. Those, uh, those uh, again predated the Mira, which is the uh, you know the the shining star of early Lamborghini's portfolio. But uh, the earliest cars were really the most, uh, I think pure and elemental and they sort of expressed the the real essence of uh, of the Lamborghini vision. Some of the discoveries that I made were both technical and uh, in many ways not surprising that there is no such thing as a um, correct and perfect and prototypical example uh, out of circa 400 uh, two and four seat cars produced. Um, almost every one of them is different. And also what I learned is that Looking back on the uh, the literature, so much of what's recorded is not necessarily correct factually. Uh, comparing build sheets and and hard data on these cars has allowed us to discover that uh, well, uh, not everything that was written down in the past is necessarily the way it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a very interesting. You say that I got to spend three days at at the Ferrari factory, and I went into their archives as part of their cliente services and got to look at some of the notes, uh, particularly of some F1 race cars is the reason I was there. And it was amazing when you see what people were writing down, but this was all just handwritten. So yeah, somebody can forget something or not write it right. And then it's transcribed and then it becomes right. something else. So, uh, the fish story grows, right? It is. That's how you end up with uh, two cars uh, bearing the same serial number or, uh, you know, multiple engines and all the other kinds of uh, little secrets that uh, sometimes don't uh, don't get out of the closet. Absolutely. Very interesting. Uh, maybe we should have you come back and we'll do a whole Lamborghini uh, 400 GT show sometime. I think. Oh, boy, would, I'd love that. That'd be fun. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. That's a nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning here on Cars, yeah? So 
Robert, take the wheel. Well, you know, Mark, I, I actually gave that some thought when I saw your question initially, and I'm not so sure I had one, so I came up with one. Perfect. I really started thinking, well, what what is this sort of general rule? Is there something that really, really obtains across the board, you know, both uh, car-wise and otherwise? And I thought, I kind of try to live my life and do my business the same way I drive. In other okay. words, I display good manners, I stay alert for opportunities. And I always use my turn signals. I, I think <laughs> that you. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you do those things, you're probably going to make friends and you're probably going to uh, uh, discover a lot of great things. You know, I love this. This is a unique answer. Now, the next part of this is how do you incorporate that into your business? I, I can see some metaphors here, maybe. Well, you know, kind of expanding on that, I, I, I think um, whether you're considering the big picture, which is life itself, or, or just the cars that you collect. I think the secret is, you know, don't follow trends. Start your own. And uh, sometimes you may be going down a cul-de-sac or what seems like a dead-end road, but you can be assured that you're not going to be a follower. You're going to be a leader. Even if you turn around and behind you, nobody's following. That's okay. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about a passion for cars. You talk about that great photo you have leaning against that Lamborghini back there in Los Angeles when you were a teenager. Is there a pivotal moment in your life, though, you knew that cars were going to be a part of your life from that point forward? Well, I, I certainly think, you know, the early teenage years are, are, are where it all happens. I mean, the, uh, uh, but, but even before that, it starts, you know, in my case with dad's cars. I mean, we, we were not an affluent uh, little family, but uh, I remember um, as a six-year-old, my dad had a TR3. And of course, I couldn't hit the pedals, but I could darn near, I could turn that wheel with a little bit of help. So I remember him coming home from work and me jumping in the front seat on his lap and, and I'd, I'd steer a couple of blocks all the way home with, with a good deal of help from him. After that came a, you know, Jag 3.8 Mark II. And then finally, finally back in, oh, about 66, he bought a new Porsche and boy, just like, uh, just like his son could never really afford it. But he did it, and that got the wheels spinning. In fact, that's why we were down at uh, SD Zipper, because they were also a Porsche dealer, not just a Lamborghini dealer back in, wow. the, in the mid-60s. So I think, it was, uh, I think it was those cars, watching him, you know, or helping him as much as, as he'd let me, you know, sort those Solex carbs out on a Saturday morning, because they would never sink upright on those, uh, on those early Porsches. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, my first car kind of set the stage. It was a little BMW 1600. I bought it when I was 15 and a half years old, and I think it cost me all of $1,200. And uh, that was, uh, again, a car that uh, was certainly not a trendy car. I wasn't following tradition there, because back in that time, nobody knew, knew what those were. But it really set the stage for a passion, not just uh, uh, for BMWs, but uh, but for cars in general. Very cool. The old 1600, yeah, precursors to the, the TIIs, the 2002s. Uh, That's little, right. Kind of little boxy cars, but they're really cool. Uh, neat designs. I have a good buddy who's uh, restoring right now a Tiza, the old mm-hmm. Tiza. Remember those cars? Yeah. Sure. When they never sure. imported them here, but he found a cool one. Shout out to Bill. He's always finding unique, authentic things to restore. So very cool. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. The reason I like to get into this is because it, these things teach us really valuable lessons. And if we approach them right, We learn from those lessons and move on. And maybe by sharing that, we can help somebody who's uh, going through the same thing. So kind of walk us through one of those uh, momentous things in your life and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward. 
you know, I, I sort of look back on my, my so-called career and uh, imagine that uh, today young folks are faced with a number of challenges that, uh, you know, guys my age never had to, uh, had to face. But still, the fundamentals are the same. And the fundamental really is that you can always sort of invent something great out of the ingredients you have. And I literally reinvented my, uh, my career or, or invented it from uh, some rather uh, unlikely beginnings. Um, I went to college and, uh, and studied art, fine art, painting. That was actually what I did for four years at UC Santa Barbara and had a great, a, a great time of it. Uh, met some wonderful people, some great thinkers, artists, philosophers, inventors, Buckminster Fuller, people of that nature that really inspired me when I was a, a teenager in college. And, uh, of course, I graduated uh, in 1976 with a prestigious degree, and that plus a dime would have gotten me a very bad cup of coffee back in that era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because an art degree is, uh, is probably about the last thing someone wants to have to use to leverage a career. Like so many uh, young folks, I, uh, I took a job because I needed to earn a living and pay the rent. And I went to uh, work at the UCLA steam plant pushing a mop, punching a time clock. And I was able to, uh, you know, at least uh, turn that into a, a little more of a, a professional endeavor. By, by the few years later, I was uh, in the project management team and learning how to actually work on construction projects as, a, as an administrator, writing contracts, dealing with clients, working with contractors. And that taught some really valuable lessons, lessons that uh, they certainly never teach you in art school. And uh, I was, uh, of course, continuing to work on my art and uh, undertook some uh, design uh, projects independently sort of leveraging the fine art, turning it into a, a, a design scenario. And I decided at a certain point in time that it was time to go out on my own and try to become a quote-unquote designer. And uh, I uh, fortuitously landed, uh, landed some clients in the publishing arena and uh, quit my UCLA job after 12 years and uh, literally reinvented a career. And for me, it was a very exciting time. That was in the uh, late 80s. And then I jumped into publishing, which at the time was a really great business to be in. And that would be magazines. And at the time, met uh, a good friend uh, named uh, Bill Curtis, who owned a company called Kurt Co. Publishing. Yep. And uh, through that uh, affiliation, became the creative director of the company and part of the senior management team. And well, the next 10, 15 years were history because we uh, went through any number of uh, acquisitions, roll up sales and uh, launches uh, uh, any number of titles. The most uh, auspicious uh, acquisition of which was probably the Rob Report in 2001. And that launched me into a whole different arena with cars. Cool. That's a good segue to my next question. That's kind of a pivot or aha moment, I like to call them. It sounds like you had a bunch of these pivots. You know, back in the day, we didn't call it that. <laughs> we call that right. other names for it. But these days, but tell us about one of those, and maybe you were you were kind of leading into it, the great one with the Rob Report and your involvement with them, because anybody who loves cars knows about the Rob Report. So uh, walk us through that process. Well, you know, sometimes things happen in a way that you you almost are ashamed to say because it's uh, it's not a fancy, complicated equation. It's actually just a simple uh, uh, realization. In our case, we're sitting around the management team. We got a great editorial director, and I'm the creative director, and the owner of the company, and got some salespeople, and kind of rejiggered the whole format of the of the of the publication. But uh, 
look around and say, well, automobiles take up about 18% of the editorial content. We have an automotive editor. I said, well, no, uh, we don't. Let's go hire some. But uh, in the meantime, I'll take over a couple of things and, and launch a couple of issues and, and we'll hire some folks and, and so forth. Well, like uh, the old cat that came with the house and the house that ends up having three or four owners and yet that old cat still lives underneath the foundation. I managed to stay affiliated despite all the all the changes and developments in the, in the course of uh, in the course of the intervening years. Wow! So it was a very exciting opportunity to literally put a passion into play in a uh, in a in a so-called professional capacity. Yeah, you know, your story reminds me uh, my career before this podcast was with Brio's Garage, and be careful what you say you can do because you might end up doing it. Uh, wore lots of hats there, right? Boy, that's that's absolutely true. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, how we of course, say the mark. The mark I think of any good uh, uh, any good manager mark is is uh, that they hire people smarter than they are. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully I I had done that on a few occasions, and uh, they're certainly uh, certainly uh, in in good stead now with a whole new team. Yeah, that is an important step in your career growth. That's for sure. Identifying that simple idea. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. I know you've had some cool cars. We talked about that uh, beautiful Lamborghini that I saw at the Quail that you uh, drove up and received an award with. But uh, what was your first really special vehicle? The first time you got a car, you went, man, I've made it. This is what I've always wanted. Well, gosh, I, I bought, uh, and again, I was at work in Stiff, Mark, so for me, the money came hard. I bought a brand new Lancia Scorpion in 1977, and oh, I thought, cool. and still think, that was one of the most uh, amazing designs that Pininfarina shape was really a, a cutting-edge, groundbreaking design, especially for a guy who couldn't afford a new Ferrari at the time. But there was some DNA that carried through. And, uh, of course, I put that up as collateral to take out a $5,000 loan in 1980. 82, huge money to buy a Ducati 900 SS, a bevel drive, the last one that they actually ever brought into the U.S. Ooh. Of course, they still have that bike today. So you those, do? Oh, how fun. Those are, those are the kind of memories that uh, that really make this whole journey so uh, so exciting. And, uh, and, and, and I think when you have to work hard and struggle to get something, it makes it even more special. So I, I feel very blessed to still have, have that bike. And of course, a lot of, a lot of V-twin motorcycles followed. I, I think, I think when it comes to special cars, maybe buying my first new 911 was, uh, was the real watershed moment. That was in 1991. And right after the 964 had come out, I bought a Carrera too and loved that car for a number of years. And, uh, I, I think really showing in some of the little local Porsche Owner Club Concours events is what whetted my appetite to try something more. And with a little bit of, uh, you know, extra resources and business success came the opportunity to buy cars like the Lamborghini or or my Shelby and, and some others that uh, that really uh, kind of inspired the, inspired the collecting passion. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you and I share a few things. I rode a Ducati Monster for a while, not as cool as your bike. But uh love the Ducatis. And well, you didn't have to kickstart it at least. <laughs> well, and my second second Porsche was a 91 Carrera 2. So uh, we had the same car. That was my daily driver for years in San Diego. And when we moved up to the Pacific Northwest, drove that to work every day for a long time, too. Sold it to a good friend of mine, Ed Dawes. Uh, we still talk about that car today. How about seller's remorse? We all have a seller's remorse story that brings oh, a tear to our eye. Is there, boy, do we is there one in particular that you could share? Can I split it between 
Yeah, of course. Let me give you two. Oh, of the, course. The, 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 the first one was uh, probably the most awful car I've ever owned, but it was also the mo- most beautiful. Imagine a relationship where the person you're with can't do anything, but they look so good, you <laughs> don't care. It's like being married that to was, a supermodel. <laughs> exactly. Can't cook, can't clean, can't hold a conversation. And by the way, the meanest woman in the world. That was my day, Tommaso Mangusta. But Man alive, what a look, what a car. I could just sit there and the proverbial drink a glass of wine and smoke a cigar or whatever and ogle that car till the cows come home. So it got sold. The one that really tears at my heartstrings, though, and taught me a lesson about uh, gentlemen's agreements was uh, my 1997 Porsche 993 C4S. I ordered that car new in Gulf Blue, and it was, I think, probably the only Gulf Blue car they ever made. Dealer thought I was crazy, made me put down a deposit just because he thought he could never sell the car if I didn't take delivery. Well, I loved that car and uh, sold it to a friend after a number of years who was begging for it with the promise, of course, that he'd always offer me first right of refusal when it when it went up on the market. Well, naturally, he proved to be not that friend. Oh. So it escaped my clutches when I tried to get it back. And uh, now I believe is uh, in a very important collection uh, with uh, owned by a fellow who happens to own a GTO that was just recently purchased for $80 million. So Ooh. I think I'll never see that car again, but it certainly was inspiring. That guy, I think his name's David, if I know the guy we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, he's got some cool cars. You know, I think, Robert, you're a brother from another mother because... Could well be. I had a 97 993 C4S as well. What happens? Can you believe this? (laughs) Well, we have definitely got to pick this conversation up in detail at some future point. I know. And I'll add another one. I had a 66 Mustang GT350. Now, mine was a clone. Yours is the real deal. So I'm not as cool as you. You were the cool brother from the mother of another. But but uh, yeah, white with blue stripes, just like yours. So uh, yeah, I think we uh, we share some taste here. Uh, that's well, for sure. Isn't that something? I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. This is like peeling another layer of the onion and finding something really great. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I would love to hear what has you excited and fired up. We're into the new year here, 2019. Where the heck did 2018 go? My goodness, the white lines just seem to move faster as we get older. I think as we get older, we move slower, but life goes faster. Something is going on there. But Well, it, it makes me imagine that eternity may not be that long a period at all after all. So, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. You're right. Things did go fast this year, some ups and downs. And as long as you're moving two steps forward and one back, you're okay. When it works the other way around, eh, not so good. But uh, this uh, this year was an opportunity to um, look into some uh, new arenas vis-a-vis business uh, for uh, Ross Madrid. Uh, you know, we're trying to expand our client base as, as, as every objective of every small business. And in the creative arena, it's always something you want to keep top of mind. So we're looking into new arenas of luxury. We want to get involved with travel hospitality, maybe some work in the watch field. That's another passion after a fashion. And uh, maybe delve into spirits if there are some opportunities there to pop the cork on some some higher higher proof uh, beverages. Libation. Uh, (laughs) There we we go. And, uh, you know, helping our clients reach broader office or, you know, uh, uh, audiences through uh, through new, uh, you know, through new media. Being an old print guy, realizing that print is uh, only worth the paper it's 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 printed on. There are certainly other uh, other ways to uh, to reach uh, consumers and, and audiences. And uh, we'll be exploring some of those in 2019. 
Well, I'm excited. If any of our listeners want to learn more or reach out to you for some help, rossmadridgroup.com, is that where they find you? That That is indeed. And uh, better yet, pick up the phone. Let's talk. Because uh, I think it's so important to, uh, to have conversations with uh, either prospective clients or uh, just interested parties. So much more gets done when you actually get to communicate with a real voice. And yeah. I know that's not uh, necessarily a, a, a popular way of doing business these days, but, uh, but I think it's how the best ideas and the best, best energy gets, uh, gets generated. You know, I mentor some young people in business, and I always tell them, call the person. Yeah, actually call them and talk to them. You'll be surprised how many people, even presidents and CEOs, will actually pick up the phone because nobody calls them anymore. Not only will you stand out, but you'll form a lasting, binding relationship with that person that's far beyond any kind of email or Goodness forbid, text message that you might send them. So uh, that's that's right. That's yeah. right. So many of those go go into the delete file. That would be great advice for any young person. And I know earlier, prior to this uh, interview, you and I were kind of musing about the power of the written word. And uh, by way of a handwritten thank you note, things that have gotten me into doors that I could not have even remotely opened through any other venue. Absolutely. Yeah. There's another golden nugget for you folks listening out there. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Robert. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you were a car, you had actually been manifested into a vehicle. <laughs> what would you be and why? Well, that's a tough one. I gave that a little thought earlier uh, because uh, you can really uh, throw a curveball at somebody asking that. You know, not to be pretentious, Mark, but I think uh, maybe it has to do with my personal love, but uh I think the 9-11, you know, they say the, the egg is the perfect food or the, uh, you know, the, the, maybe the 9-11 is the perfect car, at least for me. And sounds like for you as well. Yes. If, if I could be all the th things a 9-11 is, I would be very, very happy. Um, it's competent. It's competent. And boy, in a day and age when competence seems so lacking, uh, that's the one attribute for a person in business that, uh, that, that, that really stands apart is competence. Uh, it's the best thing that, that, in my mind, a sports car can be. It's not the flashiest, and it's certainly not the newest, and it's not the fastest, and it's not the most expensive, and it's not the most exclusive. But across the board, it ticks all the boxes. It's reliable. It always delivers. And I like that in a person. And I like that in a car. And if I can be reliable and always deliver, I feel like I've, uh, I've done the job. There you go. Nicely answered. Well, Robert, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. 
Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MAV TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we are back, Robert. We're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here yeah, we go. Let's see if I can do that justice. <laughs> okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? <laughs> uh, gosh, uh, that would probably be from my dad uh, when he told me about 15 years old. He said, Bobby, you drive like shit. <laughs> and I thought about that, and uh, I decided to improve my driving skills by thinking instead of just acting, by uh, driving with a more mature and measured uh, technique. And uh, hopefully I've been able to keep on learning how to how to drive better year by year. Uh, <laughs> another piece of automotive advice that I, I've learned is uh, – Never use the words investment and automobile in the same sentence. <laughs> when it comes to cars, I think you've got to follow your passion. You've got to follow your love. And uh, whether it's uh, in art collecting or in car collecting or any other endeavor, uh, if it's not a genuine and authentic motivation, it just won't work. Yeah, great. Nicely said. Heard that from many, many guests. Wise, wise words. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? That's an easy one. Uh, not necessarily a laudable one. It's a, it's a double it's a it's a double sided coin. But I, I think the word workaholic probably sums it up. Some folks are are beleaguered with uh, other kind of holics, whether it's gambling or drinking or whatnot. Workaholics seem to get rewarded, but uh, maybe the fundamental motivators are in some ways often the same. I think it's a place of putting energy to, to uh, deflect other anxieties. But in the, in the case of a career, working hard does have a habit of paying off. And, uh, you know, that OCD approach to everything that I do has, uh, has, uh, had some, uh, had some benefits, perfectionism, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, but, uh, if you can channel it in the right direction, it can, it can tend to, uh, uh work to your advantage. Amen, brother. Do you have a, <laughs> do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think is, uh, very worthwhile? Well, other than my uh, restorer pal, Joseph DeMeo, who's been working on my Lamborghini and uh, uh, doing some, some work in the high-level Concour arena, uh, that would be a personal plug or shout-out to Joseph. I'd have to say that the most valuable resource is uh, that great big world called the Internet. Resources, avenues of exploration, knowledge, depth uh, that, that we couldn't have even imagined when we started in this so-called business. You know, if, uh, lo- imagining that uh, – 
guys like you and I have libraries with hundreds and hundreds of priceless car monographs. Those will never go out of style, and those uh, the library always remains the most significant resource because those things are engraved in stone. They're not engraved in digits as we have on on Wikipedia, which is about as reliable as uh, well uh, uh, <laughs> that mangusta of mine. But uh, but nonetheless. The internet has provided a set of resources that we never would have had before, and it's uh, it's always a go-to for me, regardless of what I'm uh, what I'm investigating. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And yeah, shout out to jo- Joseph DeMeo. I met him a while back. I've communicated with him over time, so he's somebody we both know. Uh, in fact, I got a picture. I found a picture of you on the internet with him, and I went, "Hey, I know that guy." So oh, uh, it's a small world. Now, if I could uh, arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, there adds a twist to it, who would it be? I was privileged to know a few, a few folks that, uh, or meet a few folks that were significant. I actually knew Carol Shelby pretty well. We had a lot of great conversations, and certainly when it comes to being a significant character and an important player in the world of cars uh, and and, cop- and motorsports, he was at the top of the list. But that was a privilege I've already had. Um, I met uh, Ferdinand Alexander Porsche, uh, designers like Marcello Gandini, engineers like Dallara. I mean, those are, those are real luminaries. But uh, I think because of what I do, communication, writing, the passion for for automotive journalism, uh, the one guy and the true genius that I would like to have spent some time with, and by the way, to me, the best uh, automotive writer in the English language, was L.J. K. Setright. Mm-hmm. Leonard inspired me as a youngster with his contributions to motorcycle and, and, and automotive magazines you know in the in the in the pantheon of writers guys like henry manny or the self-proclaimed david e davis they're uh you know they're bigger names but i think ljk was as smart and as insightful and as brilliant as they get i'm surprised his name has not come up in all the guests i've had on the show but i'm glad you mentioned him for those of you who don't know him go back and do a little research on google i think you're going to find uh some very very cool things out there. <laughs> now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, you know, I guess I guess sort of uh, segueing uh, from from Leonard as a as a luminary to Leonard as uh, as as an author, I would I would have to uh, probably point to his last uh, book, which is called The Long Lane with Turning. Long Lane with Turnings. Yeah. It's a slim volume, but uh, it sort of uh, sums up some of Leonard's most uh, pithy and uh, and 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 intriguing thoughts about about cars and life, so that's one I'd recommend. It's uh, it's 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 not going to take more than a than an afternoon with a with a glass of your favorite uh, favorite beverage and and maybe a cigar. Long lean with turnings, uh, last uh, words of a motoring legend, nice. and uh, that's that's a book that I'd recommend to everyone. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great resources Robert's been so kind to share. On his Cars Yeah show notes page, just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Robert Ross, R-O-S-S, and that page will pop right up. There's a great place on the Cars Yeah website, by the way, called Guest Recommended Books, where this book will be listed and over 1,200 books from my past inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and I made it really easy for some quick clicks to buy. Add to your library a lot of business books, a lot of inspirational books, and of course, a lot of automotive-related books. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here, Robert, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. For a guy who likes cool cars like you, today I'm going to buy you one very cool collector car to park in your garage, but unfortunately, there's a couple rules to this game. One is, it's the only collector car you can have. 
That's the toughest rule, probably. Secondly, not so tough is you have to drive it. I don't want a garage queen parked in your garage. I want you to get out and share and enjoy your car. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that little trick's off the table. So what's it going to be? You are killing me. Um, I know. I'm sorry. I would I would have <laughs> said my old Lamborghini 400 GT interim, but uh, that's a garage queen, and I've already got it. So I think if <laughs> really if the place were on fire, that'd be the one I'd salvage. If you were buying new cars, it would probably be well, coincidentally, the one that I'm taking delivery of on Thursday, which is a Porsche GT3 Touring. That to oh. me is the car to drive. To me, that's the that's that's probably the most exciting new car on the on the planet. It's again, it's not the flashiest and it's not the fanciest and it's certainly not the most expensive. But when it comes to driving and enjoying and having some, you know, long term being in a long term play, I think that's the one to have a relationship with. Okay, now I'm jealous. Those things that's on a bucket list for me. And and I love so many things about that GT3 Touring. I'm not really a big wing guy, although I have an 87 Turbo that's got that Ah. nice big tail, but that kind of works with that car. Yes, it does. But the GT3 Touring is very cool. And uh, yeah, what color is yours going to be in? Well, you know, I I waited a year for this thanks to the ministrations of my my buddies at Porsche and, and, and all that. And we went paint the sample Gulf blue, sort of in memory of that old, <laughs> that old 993 that I Why used to did have, I, I not take it back. I kind of thought that's what I'd be hearing, but oh my gosh, well, I am going to come down to LA area and go for a ride with you in that car. Gulf blue, what a color. I mean, perfect. You're going back to a little bit of roots here and you're doing it in a spectacular car. And better yet, you already have it, so I don't have to buy it. So well, <laughs> if you're giving them away, we'll take a GT2 RS just for drill. Oh, okay. Well, here, okay, here we go. Yeah, there's another one that would look good next to that Gulf Blue. Very nice. Well, congratulations on that. Please well, do email me some pictures when that arrives in your garage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I'd really love to have one of those these days. When I look at all the new cars, I mean, Turbo S is kind of pulls on my heartstrings, but that GT3 Touring, yeah, sporty, cool. Not flashy, has it all. Uh, 2019 is going to be a great year for you. Well, Robert, you well, take hopefully f- for all of us, Mark, and I oh. want to thank you for the conversation. It's really been a thrill. Oh, this has been fun. You've taken me on a great ride, and our listeners, of course. I want to thank you for all your stories and everything you've shared. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip up the rip up and off and up the coast highway in that GT3 touring in Gulf Blue, of course. Well, you know, I, I think when it comes to parting shots, I, I, I guess you really never underestimate your, uh, your own potential and uh, you work with what you've been given whether that's looks or resources or family or friends, but uh, you can always make something of it. And uh, I'm very grateful to uh, to have been able to make as much out of my car passion as uh, thanks to uh, thanks to the friends and, and uh, opportunities that I've uh, I've had along the way. No doubt you've worked very hard for all this. And again, what's the best way for our listeners out there to learn more and reach out to the Ross Madrid Group? Uh, well, uh, uh, look us up at uh, rossmadrid.com or simply uh, follow uh, some of my automotive ramblings through Rob Report, where I can uh, be reached at Robert R at robreport.com. There you go, listeners. I'll make sure I put all these links on Robert's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Again, just type Robert Ross into the search bar and these pages will come up. Check out what this agency's doing. If you don't already get the Rob Report, you need to get it. If you're a car person, of course, have been around forever. Great publication. Robert, thanks for being so generous today with your time 
your expertise and for sharing your many experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you. Take care. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.